David, aka Avery. I am nine years old and currently in the fourth grade. Joining me today is Skipper, aka Craig, who is 68 and currently old and retired. <laughs> hey, not funny. Kind of funny. Hey, Skipper, what are myths? Myths are unmarried young girls. Ha, no, myths, I think they're like stories or something. Oh, those kinds of myths. You're right, they are stories. All different peoples and cultures have their myths or stories. Joseph Campbell, a person who spent his entire life studying myths, said myths were other people's religion. Huh? What do you mean, religion? Well, ancient peoples didn't have the knowledge about the world and the universe that we have, yay science, so they made up stories to help them explain how the world got to be here and where they came from. Why did they just make up stories? I think it's the kids' fault. Why are you blaming myths on kids? You have something against kids? Do you? Hmm? <laughs> no, I just know adults. Okay. If you know about adults, why are you blaming kids? Hmm? Well, okay, what do you think an adult would do if a kid asks them a question that they don't know the answer to? Oh, yeah, they'd make up a story, just like you do all the time. Hey, I don't make up stories. Well, except for that one about the sea monster that sold my big fish... But wait, no, wait a minute, that was real. I tell you, that fish was huge. Yeah, okay, I get it. Adults hate it when they don't know something, so instead of looking dumb sometimes, they make stories. That fish probably just fell off your hook, Skip. I've seen you fish. You're not really that good. <laughs> not funny, Private. Kind of funny, Skip. Okay, moving on. So, why did the people believe the stories? I always question you about your stories. How did they convince the people they were real? Remember, no one knew how all of this came into being, so pretty much any story that was entertaining and hit all the major points would have worked. Adults who were in positions of authority, like leaders, scholars, priests, priestesses, would be believed without question because they said they spoke for the gods or they were inspired by the gods. Why don't you do some research on creation myths and get back to us? So, what did you find out? Got any good stories for us? Well, there were a lot of creation stories. It seems like almost everyone had one. I found hundreds. Okay, so let's hear a couple now. And if our listeners like, we can tell a couple more in the next few episodes. Okay. Here is one from a Native American tribe called the Cherokee. The Cherokee creation story describes the Earth as a great floating island surrounded by seawater. It hangs from the sky by cords. The story tells us that the first Earth came to be when Beaver's grandchild, the little water beetle, came down from the sky realm to see what was below the water. He scurried over the surface of the water but found no solid place to rest. So he dived to the bottom of the water and brought up some soft mud. This mud expanded in every direction and became the, the whole earth. Reminds me of Maui and Moana pulling up the island. Sure did. This mud expanded in every direction and became the whole earth. The people were a brother and sister. Once the brother hit his sister with a fish and told her to multiply, then following this, she gave birth to a child every seven days and soon there were too many people, so women were then forced to have just one child every year. That's a cool one. Do you have another? Sure. The next one is from Central. Central America from the Mayan culture. The Maya gods included Kukulkan and Tipu. The two were creators or makers. According to the story, the two gods decided to preserve their legacy by creating an earthbound species looking like them. In the first attempt, they made man from mud, but they found that mud crumbled. 
The two gods summoned other gods, and together they decided to make man from wood. However, these men had no souls and soon lost loyalty to their creators, so the gods destroyed them by rain. Finally, a man was constructed from maize, which is what we now call corn, which was the Mayan sacred food. Another of gods, Itzima, is the creator of their calendar along with creating their writing. Okay, Skipper, now that we have heard these two stories, what does science say about where we came from? Well, fair enough. But remember, unlike creation myths, science backs up its story with evidence. Lots and lots of evidence. Okay, so here goes. The Earth, planets, and everything on them, including people, comes from stardust. Stardust? 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 Really? It doesn't sound very scientific, Skip. Really confusing, and it sounds like a creation myth from, like, Harry Potter or something. I really hope there's more to the story, because it's kind of, like, boring and confusing. (sighs) Okay, maybe I condensed it a little. But I didn't make it up. It's really true. And yes, there is more to the story. So here goes. About 13 or so billion years ago, there was just energy. And all of it was concentrated in a spot called the Singularity, which, for some unknown reason, began to expand. Some people call this the Big Bang, but it really wasn't a bang or an explosion like we know it. It created space and time. Then what happened? Well, at the beginning of this great expansion, tiny particles called elemental particles were formed from the expanding energy. And those particles came together to form protons and neutrons. And those particles came together to form atoms. What atoms? Sounds like my last name, but I know it's like a cell or something. What exactly are they? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked, because everything in the universe is created from atoms. Have you ever seen a periodic table of elements, a chart that has squares arranged in rows with letters and numbers in the corners? Uh, yeah, you have one on your wall right in front of us. And by saying atoms creates things, you make me sound like a god. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I see your periodic table of elements chart every time we come here. It's kind of cool. I guess you have seen it. Those letters are the symbols for the types of atoms there are. H for hydrogen, H-E for helium, and so on. And everything is made from them. You and I, for example, are made mostly from the first 10 or so atoms with a tiny sprinkle of some of the other ones mixed in. Really? So where did the atoms come from? Remember, atoms are made from protons, neutrons, and electrons. And the number of protons that an atom has determines what the atom is going to be. Hydrogen on the table is number one. So I know it has one proton. And if it has one proton, it will have one electron and behave like hydrogen. The next one is helium on the other side. Its number is two. So I know it has two protons and two electrons and it will behave like helium. But Skip, where did they come from? Seriously, where did they come from? I'm waiting here. (laughs) You see, the first atom to be created was hydrogen, and a lot of it was created by the attraction of that proton and the electron together, kind of like two ends of a magnet that come together and stick. When this happened, hydrogen was created, the very first atom, and a lot of it was created, so much of it was created that most of the universe is still hydrogen. Okay, what about the other? Where did those come from? Okay, okay, I'm getting to that. You see, hydrogen was the first matter or stuff. And like we learned last episode, stuff or matter creates gravity. 
So the hydrogen atoms started to attract other hydrogen atoms, and they formed huge balls of hydrogen that squeezed and squeezed tighter and tighter together and began to heat up from the compression. It started fusing to give off light and heat, and a star or sun was born. Okay, what about the other atoms? Well, when a star ignites, the hydrogen atoms smash into each other and change into other atoms. Hydrogen changes to helium, helium changes to lithium, and so on and so on. Hey, lithium, like the stuff in my iPad battery. Yep, same stuff. So, different atoms are all made inside of a star or sun by a process called fusion, and it releases a lot of light and heat, and that's what makes a star or sun burn. That's right. Now you're getting it. Okay, so they, they are in the sun. How do they get into me? Well, fusion only goes on for so long. As the star or sun ages, it produces more and more matter in the form of atoms, and so produces more and more gravity, and after a long while, and if it's big enough, to begin with, it collapses in on itself and then explodes. It's called going nova, and all those atoms get sent out into space as stardust, and over time, that stardust comes together to form planets. Okay, so the stardust made the planets... So how did I come from stardust then? How did we come from stardust? <laughs> the neat things about atoms is they like to join other atoms to create simple combinations we call molecules, like hydrogen and oxygen creating water, or sodium and chlorine atoms combining to create table salt. There are millions of different kinds of molecules, but the thing is, they also like to combine to form larger and more complex molecules. Is table salt a table made out of salt? <laughs> <laughs> very funny, very funny. How did molecules even create me? Wow, you ask a lot of questions. I love that about you, but it would have been a lot easier to just make up a story from scratch. Skip, I want to know the truth, not just a stupid story you made up. I know, I know, but it would have been easier. You see, molecules all have different shapes. It's the shapes that give them a function. A function is what they do and how they behave. Over time, these molecules combine to form the first cell. How did that happen? Well, we don't know all the steps yet of how this happened, but we know quite a bit about the process. But once those cells formed, evolution started up and created many different types of cells. And some of those cells combined to form larger and more complex living things until the living thing called you came into being. And that, my friend, is how all things got created from stardust. So... I am made from the stuff of a star that exploded millions of years ago. That is so cool, Skip! I love that story. I like it the best. Yay, science! You got that right, Private. Hey, Private, I know how the months from September to December got their names, but how were the others named? Hmm, stay right there. I'll be right back. Okay, can I whistle while you work? Um, I don't get it. Old joke. Not funny, Skip. It's a little funny. Did you miss me? Like a headache. <laughs> so how did the months get their names? Okay, so I'm guessing you already know that the early Roman calendars only had 10 months, not 12 like ours, and their year began at the beginning of spring, which is in March, not January like ours. March is named for the god Mars, who is their god of war. Makes sense. Spring was the time when they started their wars or started them up again after taking a break during the winter months. Then came April. Hey, that's my sister's birthday month, April 29th. 
Some sources say its name came from the Latin word aperio, to open like the bud of a flower. Because plants grow in this month, and to honor Aphrodite, the ancient Greek goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, and procreation, she was largely derived from the Phoenician goddess Ashtarte, who was who probably came from the goddess Ishtar, who was based on a Sumerian goddess called Inanna. Next is May. May is named for the Roman goddess Maya, who, like Gaia, was an earth goddess and oversaw the growth of plants. Also, been from the Latin word Maiores. Elders who are celebrated during this month. Seriously, a whole month celebrating old people like you? Hey, that's a great idea.、Uh, as an elder, I think that's a good, good idea. We should bring that back every May. You can celebrate me for the whole month long. Uh, not funny. You may be old, but you're not very wise. <laughs> June. The month of June is named for the Roman goddess Juno, patroness of marriage and the well-being of women. Hmm, that must be why many people get married in June. Also, from the Latin word junibus, which means young people. Hey, a month celebrating kids. That is a good idea. Oh, brother! Seems like every day of the year is a celebration of kids. Now the name of the rest of the months were from the number of the month they were. Since they spoke Latin, the number is what they named them. Quintilis in Latin means five, so that's what they called the fifth month. Sextilis that means six, so that's what they called the sixth month. September in Latin means seven, so it's the seventh month. October in Latin means eight, so that's what they called the eighth month. November in Latin is nine, and that became the ninth month. December means ten in Latin, and that became the tenth month. So, how did September, their seventh month, get to be our ninth month, and October, their eighth month, get to be our tenth? November is nine. And yet it's our eleven, and December ten. So how did it get to be our twelve? Well, when the calendar had ten months, the months still only had thirty or thirty-one days. And if you do the math, and Skipper, I did this time, you only get three hundred four days. But the year actually has three hundred sixty-five days in it. So what happened to those sixty days? They just called them winter, but it really made a mess of trying to keep track of. Their calendar was just not very good at that. So after trying lots of different changes, a leader named Julius Caesar, with some help, created the Julian calendar. Oh, so what was that like? The Julian calendar has a regular year of 365 days divided into 12 months. A leap day or leap year is a day added to February every four years. That's pretty similar to the one we have now. Why did they change it? Pope Gregory the Thirteenth in 1582 changed it because it was about 12 minutes off. 12 minutes in a whole year? Wow, he was a pretty picky guy, that Gregory. Kip, you know it's important to be accurate. Why in four centuries those 12 minutes would add up to three whole days? In ten centuries, the Julian calendar would be off by more than a week. Oh wow, that's pretty good. So, how did the names change? First, they added two months before March to account for those fifty or so days of winter that made the beginning of the year fall on January first. Not in the middle of March. 
They named the first month after the Roman god Janus, protector of gates and doorways. Janus is shown with two faces, one looking into the past, the other into the future. The second month they added was named Februaris, named for Februalia, a festival of purification and atonement that took place during this period. They kept March, but now instead of being the first month, it was now the third month. They kept April, which became the fourth month, May became the fifth, and June became the sixth. But after Julius Caesar died, the Roman government changed the month of Quintilis to July to honor him, and it became the seventh month, and they also co-renamed Sextilis to August to honor Augustus Caesar, a grand-nephew of Julius Caesar, who is an important military and government leader, so that became the eighth month. They left the rest of the month names the same as they were in the calendar, but now September was the seventh month and ended up in the ninth place and the new calendar, October, was the 10th place. November and 11th, and December and 12th. Whew, that was a lot. <laughs> wow, you really did your homework, Private. I'm proud of you. It's also good to point out that the whole world eventually switched over to the Gregorian calendar. It did take 300 years, but there are still other calendars out there. The Hebrew, the Chinese, and many, many more. Right. Yay, science. You got that right, Private. And now it's time for the question of the week. If you remember last week, I said the question was, when is down up? And the answer is, when you're standing at the South Pole. And the reason for that is, down is always at the center of the Earth. And at the South Pole, the center of the Earth is actually above you. So if you drop the rock at the South Pole, it would actually fall up towards the center of the earth. And if a bird walks up to you, it would be a penguin. So the color would be white and black. Now, if you don't believe me, draw a picture of a person on a piece of paper and cut it out. Then find a globe and position that person with their feet on the ground at the South Pole. Now picture that person dropping a stone. And what direction does it go? Yep. It goes up, and that's how sometimes down can be up. And now for this week's question of the week. So this episode, we learned that the Romans named the months of the year. So my question is, who named the days of the week? Bye-bye. for this week. Come back next week for another episode of Science's Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes or just search for Science's Fun E in the podcast section. You can contact us with your answer to the question of the week at question at scienceisfune.com. Or to suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at scienceisfune.com. You can email me at private at sciencesfune.com or skipper at sciencesfune.com. I'm private, aka Avery, and hoping you have a great week. TTFN! <laughs>